0: Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. And this is Love to Tell the Story. Well, if you've been listening to this podcast over the past few weeks, and by the way, thank you so much for that, then you know that we've been talking a whole lot about going back to the basics, back to the basics of God. We've talked about God's presence, God's power, God's name, and God's law. What we always need to remember, friends, is that when it comes to the basics of God, it always comes back to love. Concluding our current sermon series, here's today's message, which is entitled God's Love and Ours. It's based on the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Actually, it's a very good question. And, and despite the fact that it was posed as a gotcha question on the part of the Pharisees who were seeking to discredit Jesus. Truthfully, it was something I would have liked to have asked, especially now that we've just spent the past three Sundays looking at the Ten Commandments. Because biblically speaking, folks, not to mention in terms of how you and I seek to live in faith, those Ten Commandments, they're only the beginning of God's law. One of the things we really haven't talked much about over the past few weeks in our survey of the Ten Commandments is the fact that according to Scripture, there are within the Torah, or as it's also called the Pentateuch, that is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there are some 613 additional commandments that elaborate on the original 10. And by the way, if you're counting, that amounts to 248 thou shalt and 365 thou shalt nots, one for every day of the year. These are laws, and you can look them up. I commend them to your reading, actually. These are laws that address everything from human relations and care for the poor to proper rituals surrounding worship and offering sacrifices, as well as copious rules regarding food, sex, clothing, matters of justice, all of which were considered by ancient Jews to be essential and unbreakable laws. And this is to say nothing of all the words of the prophets, both major and minor, that are found all throughout Scripture, precepts that would seek to have us follow Yahweh more closely and which ultimately hearken back to those first Ten Commandments that we read from Exodus. So many teachings, so many words, so many ideas and statutes and laws. Some of them, like eating pork and shellfish or wearing clothing made from mixed fabric, some of those we just don't really follow as Christians. But still, there are many others that continue even today, even in our culture now, to inform the ways that you and I are to live as faithful followers of the Lord. So how, I ask you, friends, how are we supposed to make sense of all of it? Are all these laws still relevant to our lives and living today? Are we simply to pick and choose based on what really matters in life or what our own particular preferences seem to be? Or is every law to be followed to the letter, as Jesus said, with not one iota passing from the letter of the law until all is accomplished? Or, Is there, in fact, one commandment more important than all the others? Or at the very least, is there some proper way to condense all of that which God is asking us to do into one very concise idea? Now, the Pharisees themselves, very much letter of the law believers, saw the legally acceptable answer to this question to be that, Every commandment of the law is great because all the law comes from God. I know we don't stick up for Pharisees very much, but they're on to something there. But that said, as I said before, that wasn't the answer that they were seeking from Jesus. They wanted to trip him up so they could discredit him, as I said before. And for different reasons, it's not the answer that I'd be seeking either. What I wanna know, maybe you wonder this too, is what is it about God's law? Or perhaps more to the point, what is within God's law that brings it all together for us? Hmm? I mean, I'm gonna readily confess something to you folks here today. That when I have purchased some kind of appliance, or if I'm trying to download a computer program or, or, or a phone app, I don't want to get bogged down in the complicated of assembly instructions. I don't want to know all about the software installation. Nor do I wish to spend hours upon hours having to make the proper settings and don't even get me started on having to call some 1-800 number for technical support. I just want to hit the switch. I want to push the button. I want to click the mouse and have the thing go. Well, likewise, (laughs) there are times in my life when I struggle just simply to walk in faith, to do the right thing, to be the kind of person that God wants me to be, to follow the Lord, my God, closely using all those commandments we've been talking about as a true guide for following I want to be, you see, the best that I can be before God. I know you folks feel the same way, but for me the truth is is that with all these many and contradictory laws and the gray areas, oh, the gray areas that they all seem to engender, to say nothing of my own tendency to wander off the pathway from time to time, I'm not always quite so sure of the way ahead. What I need, because I'm only human after all, is simply a clear and simple set of instructions. All I want to know, all any of us, I suspect, really want to know in this life is what's God's first and most important rule to follow. And while we're on the subject, how do we follow And the good news for all of us is that, as always, our answer to that question comes from Jesus. One of the most interesting aspects of our text for this morning that Kay just shared with us is that in the face of such a complicated, loaded question, Jesus manages to answer the Pharisees in a very clear, concise and as it turns out, a very familiar way. First, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. Now, the Pharisees knew this. This was for the Shema, straight from the book of Deuteronomy. And they were words that were meant to be prayed by faithful Jews each and every morning and again each and every evening. And second, this time from Leviticus, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so right away, Jesus has lifted up two commandments over which the learned Pharisees would be hard-pressed to argue. (laughs) But before they can even begin to argue as they were prepared to do before they were even ready to ask about all those other commandments that Jesus hadn't mentioned, Jesus adds one more thought. On these two commandments, he says, hang all the law and the prophets. (laughs) Actually, you know, I love how the message translates this verse. There, Jesus says, these two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs from them. In other words, first, we love God. That, as we were saying last Sunday in relation to the Ten Commandments, is the vertical dimension of our relationship with God. Vertical, looking up to God. But then, says Jesus, you also have to love our neighbor because we can't truly love God with heart and mind and soul unless and until we love those whom God loves. That is the horizontal relationships that we have with each other that are reflected in the original Ten Commandments in which serve to help us to live faithfully in community and thus live faithfully with God. And so, you see, the greatest commandment is twofold, to love God and to love our neighbor. Moreover, writes Episcopal priest and author Rick Morley, It is the very core of the gospel. It is the distilled essence of Jesus' teaching, and it's the words behind the actions of Jesus' passion. Because yes, Morley writes, his life, death, and resurrection was the physical manifestation of the love that he taught. Now, this sermon series has been all about going back to the basics of God. But what we always need to remember, friends, is that the basics of God always ends up coming down to love. We've said it again and again throughout these past few Sundays, God gives us life. God gives us his name. God gives us a law. And all of this is one way, amongst many, of God giving us his love. And our response to that, your response, my response, is also ever and always going to be about love. <laughs> and that, while it's most certainly a very clear set of instruction that we've been seeking, alas... It doesn't always seem as though it's going to be all that simple to follow in a world like this. Or maybe it is. The late Marcus J. Borg, the renowned biblical scholar and theologian, has written that so often, quote, we have made being Christian very complex as if it's about getting our doctrines right. But being Christian, Borg says, is actually very simple, even breathtakingly simple. And basically, he says, it comes down to this. Being Christian is about loving God and loving what God loves. And what God loves is the world, not just you and me, not just Christians, not even just human beings, but the whole of creation, so being Christian, then, is about transformation. It's about our working with God. It's about our living with God to become that kind of a person. Understanding, of course, that we're you know, not talking about love in just a passive sense, but love actively, doing what we can do to be about the business of God's love in the world. We are called by God to be the purveyors of God's love, to bring light into darkness, to lift up the fallen and give them hope, to be doing justice in the places and amongst the people where the power of politics and the politics of power seem to reign supreme. It's about living unto the love we have for God by letting it be transformed into the love we show for others. A very simple thought, to be sure. But where the law and the prophets are concerned, as well as where the mission of the church, and might I add, our own Christian walk, yours and mine, it's where everything starts. And it's the pegs on which our success and our lives are hung. Because never forget this, and I'm going to quote Marcus Borg here once again. You can believe all the right things, but still be quite untransformed. You can believe all the right things and still be mean. Being Christian is about loving God and changing the world. It's as simple and as challenging as that, and it's the way of life. One of the books on my summer reading list this year was one entitled Hiking Through, uh, written by a man named Paul Stutzman. It is the true story of an Ohio man. Actually, he was from Sugar Creek, Ohio, which was very near to where we used to live out there. And Stutzman, after his wife passes away from cancer, decides in his grief that he needs to hike the Appalachian Trail from Georgia to the summit of Mount Katahdin right where I grew up. Now, I recommend this book highly to you. It is all about the hiker culture and the so-called trail magic along the way. That is, the the kindnesses that are extended to the hikers on the trail all up and down some uh, 2,100 miles worth of trail through the wilderness. But the real story in this book is about grief and faith and the deepening of one man's relationship with God on the trail. At one point, late into this journey, he might even have been going through Vermont into New Hampshire at this point, Stutzman shared how he got it into his head that he really wanted to have a little radio and headphones with him in order to get the news and the weather and maybe listen to a nearby Golden Oldies radio station, man after my own heart. It seemed harmless enough, and since by this time he'd been on the trail literally for months in every possible kind of climate and terrain and hardship and wonder, he just figured that a radio might be just the welcome relief from the rigors of the hike and give him a little extra something to get to the end of the trail. But something was wrong, Stutzman wrote. Out here in the woods, this toy was destroying my newfound freedom. I no longer heard my footsteps on the pine needles or the birds singing or the winds rustling through the trees. Sure, he said, the golden oldie station was playing my kind of music and it reminded me of my past. But somehow I was being robbed of the present. I had traded the joy of nature and conversing with God for a little radio clip to my backpack. The radio had to go. Once the radio was back, stashed at the bottom of his stack, the distraction was gone, and he said almost immediately, "All was right once again." And it gave way to a simple and yet heartfelt prayer: "Thank you, God, for your beautiful creation." To which Stutzman could hear this reply: "Welcome back." I love that passage. Because not only did it serve as a reminder of how quite often the best music is the music of God's creation. It also seemed to me to be a parable for the ways that you and I are so often distracted from our walk with the Lord and being the Christians we are called to be. Distracted by the day-to-day worries, the stuff we got to do or we think we got to do distracted by the concerns and challenges of our lives and how we are going to deal with that next challenge that's just on the horizon, distracted by all the awful news that just seems to get worse with every passing day and just seems to fill our hearts and our brains with dread. In and through all this and so much more, we become distracted, distracted from love, love received, And love to share. Friends, we love because God first loved us. And when we love as God has loved us, our relationship with God deepens and grows. And the relationships we have with one another cannot help but take root and grow as well. God gives us the breath of life. God gives us his name that we might truly know him as the great I am. God gives us a law so that we can know how to closely follow him for a life abundant and eternal. But in and through everything else, God gives us love so that you and I might be transformed to love. That's my prayer for each of us, beloved, that we may be transformed to love. Today, tomorrow, from season to changing season. And as we are transformed, friends, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, God's Love and Ours, part of our current sermon series, Back to the Basics of God, and recorded during our September the 5th service of worship at East Church. Let me just say here, that if you happen to be visiting New Hampshire this summer or in the fall to come, and you're looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you join us at East Church. We gather every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, or if you prefer, You can always find us online via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Facebook page. Either way, I would love the chance to be able to welcome you. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry, and again, I thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.